Hello, and welcome to the Nutrition and Life Podcast. This is where we look at various nutrition and fitness-related topics through the lens of application. We want to give you practical takeaways so that you can create your healthiest, best self backed by knowledge. Now, on to the episode with your host, Coach Lisa. Hello and welcome back to the Nutrition and Life podcast. My name is Lisa, I'm your host, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Becca Chilsonkowski. She is known as the Hormone Queen on Instagram and is the co-creator of fitmomlife.com. She has a 21-day hormone factor guide, which everyone should go and check out, and that also gives us a little bit of a hint of what we're going to be talking about today. So first of all, welcome to the show, Becca. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm yeah super excited because I truly think you can um, you can give so much knowledge uh, to everyone out there and and once people go and check out your Instagram they're gonna see like whoa this is so cool I need to go and follow her um, so yes but before we dig into the hormone nitty gritty things um, tell us a little bit about yourself how you um, got to where you are now in terms of business and health and everything else. Yeah. Oh, I will try to keep this short and sweet. Um, so I grew up an athlete pretty much my whole life. Um, I was always overweight though. I was like the chubby athlete, right? I was really good at sports, but I was not like looking like I was super athletic. Um, and after college, I kind of wanted an outlet for my, you know, athleticism and sports. So I found CrossFit. And that was like 2013, 2010 to 2013, 2014, and got super into it competed at a very high level with it. Um, I was, you know, after one of the opens, I think I was like top 100 in the world at one point. And so it was, it was, you know, my life. Uh, I basically quit my job, helped manage a CrossFit gym, um, worked 4am until 8pm a lot of days, uh, and trained two to three hours a day and got really lean. Um, I lost probably 50 to 60 pounds in that, like going from finding CrossFit into competing in CrossFit. Uh, and I loved it, but I also had a really unhealthy relationship with exercise and with food and with my body. Um, I was very ignorant to the symptoms I was dealing with while I was doing it. You know, I dealt with a lot of like gas and constipation and bloating and just chronic joint pain and injuries. And you bear through it and you kind of are like, this is just, I have to deal with it. Um, I ended up having kind of like a career ending injury. I ruptured my Achilles uh, in 2016, I think. Um and my husband and I were like, okay, let's maybe consider like starting a family. And, uh, I had lost my period for three years, also training at a very high level. Um, so not super conducive if you want to have a baby. So we ended up actually going the IVF route, um, with my first, and we were very fortunate to have my first, uh, he is five now, um, tried to get back into competing after having him. Cause I was like, that was my identity, you know? Uh, and, ended up with a lot of inflammation, a lot of the same symptoms I had before, but now I also had the stress of having a child. Uh, and I was starting my business at that time, which was mainly nutrition coaching at the time. Um, but I kind of gritted through it for a couple of years and it got to the point where I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Like my, my fatigue was so bad. I was dealing with so many digestive issues. Um, I actually was starting to gain weight from exercising more. Uh, and I was, I didn't figure out what's going on. Um, and so I dove into the functional side of things. Uh, I, you know, looked into why is my body like, I'm not 
overeating. I was very good at tracking macros and calories. Um, I was eating like 16, 1700 calories and I was working out five days a week, six days a week with intensity, doing CrossFit workouts still. Uh, and I put on about 10 pounds in two weeks. It was very rapid. Um, and so, you know, I dove into the functional side of things and started learning a lot about how my hormones impact my weight and how I feel and gut health impacting how I feel and the symptoms I was dealing with. And that's kind of what I started to attract as clients to. I was like in this place where I did a lot of macros and, you know, exercise recommendations at the time, but I was coming in contact with all these women that it wasn't working for. Like, it was like, okay, you should be losing weight at this calorie intake and you're not, and you feel worse. Um, and so it was kind of a, I wanted to find the answers for myself and I wanted to help other women that I was working with find the answers for them. And so I, you know, have been through multiple certifications at this point. Um, I am a functional diagnostic nutritional practitioner. Uh, we work mainly with women in the kind of like 30 to 60, like that, you know, menopausal, going into that menopausal age range. Um, and where you're, you just aren't protected by your 20s anymore. You know, I feel like we can, our, our body's going to endure a lot in our 20s. And then in your 30s and 40s, it's like, nope. Nope, you you can't do that. Um, what used to work doesn't work anymore, I always say. And so I uh I have been head deep in it since and I absolutely love it. And my passion obviously is the hormones because that's a lot of what created my symptoms. Um, I always say that hormones create a lot of symptoms, but they're rarely the root issue. Uh, and so for me, it was, you know, I actually had very low hormone levels, but my hormones were very imbalanced. So I was dealing with a lot of night sweats, I was dealing with a lot of really heavy periods, clotting, but I got hormones tested. My estrogen was really low, which you would think that's not going to cause heavy periods. That, But because my progesterone was just even lower, I was dealing with this imbalance of, you know, creating the estrogen dominant type symptoms, even though my overall hormone levels were really low. So I've been through many ups and downs throughout, you know, learning about myself, my body and everything, but hormones are kind of my passion and, and helping women understand their bodies better because hormones can be very helpful and powerful and create vitality. And they're amazing when they work for you. When they don't, they create some symptoms. So that's kind of my, my history. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And um, I know that a lot of uh, listeners are going to resonate with that as well, because a lot of um, our clients come from the same kind of route, not necessarily CrossFit, but just over-exercising or high intensity. And then on top of that, a high-stress life, et cetera. And then on top of that, maybe longer periods of no dieting or being afraid of carbs and all these things. And not just the listeners, I, I have a lot of parallels to you when it comes to that as well. I was actually doing a CrossFit for about five years as well and never got to, to your level, but every now and then I'd work out, you know, twice a day and, and had in my head, like <laughs> whatever, or any, anyway, I was, I was uh, drinking the, the CrossFit Kool-Aid, that's for sure. Um, so before I ask you the first question, though, I do want to tell uh, the listeners that you have a business partner who focuses on gut health and she's known as the poop queen on Instagram, which I think is such a cool um, combination yeah. for the two of you just like I mean that's that must be that's a really great um not just business but coaching um uh, system yeah. Or, or yeah symbiosis I guess so yeah we are going to have her on as well which I'm excited about but um yeah I would love to know as a first question so nowadays first of all how do you train nowadays to keep your hormones healthy and of course um also with your clients what do you 
advise them if they have a high stress life on top of that uh, like what kind of training adaptations do you recommend or you know maybe just nutritional like yeah how do you tackle this sort of uh, problem I guess yeah absolutely so you know I think a lot of people talk about using exercise it's like that's my outlet right it's my stress release um, and to an extent we get it that's absolutely I love the gym I love how I feel after I go there but exercise is a stressor, just like fasting and diet restriction and, and all, you know, our, the child screaming in our face all night because they're tired. Like those are all stressors and you have to realize what stressors you can manipulate and what you can't, you know, like I'm not going to get rid of my kids or my husband or my job anytime soon. Not that I want to, mostly, <laughs> but like those are stressors that are going to be there you know, exercise is a stressor that I can manipulate. And if the body is so stressed that it cannot positively adapt to stressors in that time, exercise just becomes another stress. And so I have learned through a lot of mindset work and coping because initially I identified as an athlete. Like I identified as that gym person, that CrossFitter, that, that super fit girl, right? And I thought if I don't work out five to six days a week, I'm going to gain weight and I'm going to get fat. And I didn't want that. I am. Listen, I'm vain, just like all of us. Like I want to look good. And so I had to go through a period of letting go of exercise and realizing that like, I'm okay without this constantly in my life. I'm okay. If I'm not on the ground sweating profusely and can't catch my breath after every workout, I barely ever do that anymore. And it's a season, I think, that a lot of us have to go through while we're working on other healing aspects. So it depends on what we're working on with clients. Like when I initially start with many clients, I take exercise away for a short period of time. I see the, how they handle it. I see how they respond to it. Are they more anxious? Are they are they feeling better? You know. Um, and then I use exercise as a biofeedback tool. So we a lot of times will let clients know, hey, when we start adding back in intensity or volume, you need to pay attention. Do you sleep better or worse now? Are you having now bloating come back or loose stools come back or constipation come back? Are you having worse energy the rest of the day after you've worked out? Or are you feeling okay? Like exercise can give you feedback if you pay attention to it. I currently now work out four days a week, pretty much. And I'm doing strictly bodybuilding, which I've actually kind of grown to love. Um, I used to, I'll be totally honest. I used to make fun of bodybuilding. I was like, who, why would you work out with a machine? Um, but now I love it. I actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry for ever saying that. Um, and I do kind of like two lower body days focuses, two upper body day focuses. Um, and the other days I walk, I have two little kids. I have a two-year-old girl and a five-year-old boy and they keep me very busy. So I try to make walks happen as much as I can. Um, sometimes it's first thing in the morning while I work, but I usually get, you know, 10 to 12,000 steps, no problem a day just from movement uh, with my life. And so I walk, I lift, I would love to bring cardio back into my life, but to be totally honest, I just don't have the time right now. Like I, I would rather prioritize lifting for myself. And in general, with my clientele and with women, because of the stressors that we have in our life, I do not think that many women can handle training four to five plus days, I'm sorry, five plus days a week and doing high intensity consistently. I think that it is, unless you are training for performance and you are training for a sport, I truly have seen very few people can recover well enough to allow themselves to keep up with that. And then it, it will impact your hormones. Like it truly. And so that's what I do personally. It's what I help my clients kind of work to accomplish. And 
depending on what phase we're in, if we're doing gut work, which is really stressful on the body, I'm going to pull exercise back. We're going to do maybe half body splits instead of full body days. We're going to do less training, less volume, less weights, you know, um, more of a maintaining versus like maybe otherwise we're in a growth state and we've calmed the body down and your body can handle it now. So exercise is a stressor, just like a lot of other things that you kind of have to toggle with depending on what season of life you're in. I can only agree from what I see with within um, our clients and also myself in the sense of intensity and in the sense of how hard it is to take that step back, especially when you do identify as a kind of person, uh, as an athlete, or just generally are afraid of, oh, am I going to lose all my muscle or, you know, which is like... Now, when I hear people say that, it sounds so oh, just by dialing back one day, it sounds so stupid. But when you're in that position yourself, it's it's a true fear. It's I, I can absolutely relate to that. And as you were saying, um, I mean, exercise is one of the stressors. Is there other aspects of life that you do try to work um on with your clients or are they kind of I mean, as you said, some things you just can't manipulate, like if your job it requires that you're at the office for 10 hours a day, then that's it. But we can still maybe change how we react to certain things at work or something like that. Yeah. Somatic work is kind of what we call it. So like nervous system. Um, and we, we tend to fall into almost unconscious habits, you know, like, Oh, I just, I, I was so stressed. I got home from the office at 7.15. I didn't want to cook. And so, you know, I picked up food on the way home. And it's honestly almost, you don't even realize you're doing it. It's just it's this habit. And so we try to undercover, like, what are your triggers? What situations seem to trigger you the most into those habits? And then how can we adjust and pause in those moments, have more of a thought process around it and, you know, react differently, essentially. Um, we do a lot of biofeedback and tracking of things. So how much are you sleeping? You know, are you sleeping? Are you, do you have quality of sleep? If not, why can we start to uncover that? Sleep's kind of a tricky one, but are you in bed for at least seven hours a night? That's a non-negotiable for me. I, I don't care how much work I have. I don't care, you know, what I am in bed by 10 PM every night. It is at the very latest, it's ideally nine 30. And so you have to have these kind of like that can wait until the morning type response to things. Um, we do a lot of obviously diet adjustments with clients and, and help people understand that diet is your biggest input. You are eating all day, every day for most people. And so yes, supplements can help. Yes, exercise can help. Yes, you know there needs to be mindset work, but food is really your largest input. And so are you eating something that's nourishing to the body? Are you eating nutrient dense whole foods or are you eating processed foods, protein bars, you know, even though they're like, I call them convenient, healthy foods. Um, those sometimes are not as good for the system as real food. So we obviously work within diet. Um, and then we get to know our clients. You know, I, I think it's important to open up to your coach or practitioner and let them know what, you handle on a day-to-day -day because we can't help if we don't know your life. You know, there's a reason you're where you're at and you're struggling. And it's probably because of you. It's probably because things that you have developed in terms of habits, stressors that you won't let go of um, and ways that you react to things. And so kind of being vulnerable and open to being willing to change those things. For me, a lot of it is like, I had to let go of a lot of the shame and guilt and, you know, negative feelings I would have about myself, about envy and comparison like you know it, it's hard uh you you basically have to be open to changing as a human being like you can't just follow a process and expect 
you know, everything to be fixed and then you can go back to your life. No, like you're going to go through an identity shift. You're going to go through a, a human being shift. And, and that's, that's tough. And the practitioner or coach is there to help you. Um, but that's the biggest thing that I always try to explain to people is we aren't just going to like layer a supplement and diet protocol on top of a life that created the problems you have. Um, so yeah, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess that people like to ha have an easy fix, but um, it's just not that way. I think one of the biggest issues that I see and have experienced myself as a, I'm going to call myself a recovering people pleaser. And I think a lot of women generally fall into that um, category, but particularly moms, maybe. Um, and we're just, I think it's a lot of upbringing as well. You know, you don't want to be impolite. And so we have such a hard time saying no to things, but I think learning to get stronger within your boundaries or putting up more stronger, stronger boundaries and not saying yes to every single little thing where you feel like you need to help out just because they asked you. Um, I think that is, that can be an absolute game changer as hard as it is. And sometimes, especially sometimes in the beginning, you get pushback. People might ask you what, why not? Or they will, you know, criticize you for that and you you do feel bad but it's so important to remember in those instances that the people are only, only going to feel bad about it or we think it's weird for a quick second and then probably move on and ask someone else whereas it's going to impact not just your day it's going to impact your next day it's going to like it's it, it's like a snowball it it adds up and you become that person and just says yes to everything and then you're overloading yourself and not really helping anybody so i think that's such a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people but unfortunately that's also something I find very very helpful when it just comes to um stress management I guess for lack of a better word yeah absolutely we have people a lot of times like just reflect on their day obviously start your day with gratitude end your day with gratitude or prayer like having some type of higher being to help you through the hard times that healing can be um but what's what's giving and taking in your life right like what do you finish and you're feeling fulfilled and happy and, you know, kind of like grateful and what's draining you. And regardless of whether that draining you is your sister on a phone call every day complaining about something or, you know, a job that you dread going to, I can't count how many clients of ours have quit their jobs working with us because awesome. they realize <laughs> like, this is a piece, this is what is killing me every day, you know? Um, and so it's, it's sometimes really hard to reconcile those things and, and come to terms with them, but I, you, you got to evaluate it versus I think a lot of times we're so unconscious about it. We end our day, we come home, we're in a bad mood. We don't know why. And we take it out on people that we love mm -hmm. and it's just rinse and repeat. And then you're just miserable all the time versus like, what is making me so angry? What is making me so upset? And really kind of sitting with it and evaluating your day. And it might be things that you aren't ready to see, um, but it, it's that self-awareness that has to come first. Totally. And yeah, I think uh, often we feel like we need to stay in that job for the other people, for the family or something like that, but they're actually going to be happier if you're happy too. And the quote unquote funny thing is that sometimes when you quit your job, even if there might not be a backup plan at that stage, doors open up like honestly the amount of times when you're like you're just leaning more into who you actually are 
and what feels truly f f fills your soul. And then you, what do you know, like two months later, someone's like, oh, by the way, I heard of this job offering. I thought of you. And then you're, you have your dream job. So, <laughs> you know, things like that do happen. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned sleep earlier. And I do want to touch on that, especially as you also said, a lot of your clients also are in like perimenopause, menopause sort of stage. Um, and yeah, of course, um, our clientele, some of them deal with the same issues as well. Um, and just in general, when it comes to perimenopause or menopause, where, what is your opinion on hormone replacement therapy? And like, how do people know, should I, should that even be something I look into? Or is that something for me? It's, it's, it's so hard because I feel like there are people that either say, um, stay away from it as long as possible or if it if possible and then other people are like no why would you deny yourself feeling better right away and yeah I would love to uh, hear your take oh yeah I mean it's a, such a hot topic and it's a very touchy topic because there's some again some women start it and their life begins again like they have such amazing results with it other women I, that I personally have worked with they go on it and they worsen symptoms come like they start bleeding again or they feel like their symptoms are getting worse and so the there's a couple things that i always talk about when it comes to hrt and hormone replacement in most scenarios i don't think it's necessary i think that there is the reason that you're dealing with a lot of the symptoms that you're dealing with in those phases are because one the adrenals are likely not in an optimal place because our adrenals I call our kind of like our 401k backup after we lose our hormones in the vital, you know, premenopausal stage, estrogen and progesterone, the small amounts that they can be produced come from the adrenal function. And so if you have lived your life super stressed out, go, go, go type A personality and your adrenals are basically depleted too. Now you have no backup. And so your system is going to be much more depleted than it would have been originally. And so again, I use the example of like, listen, if menopause was this horrible, everyone would have it that bad, but we don't see that, right? We see a lot of people have it bad. And then there's people that are totally fine. And yes, there are some genetic predispositions that can have things to do with that, but a lot of it is your lifestyle. And so I look to adrenal function. I look to liver and the liver plays a huge role in being able to manage glucose and insulin regulation during menopause. It plays a huge role in inflammation and detox abilities because a big part of menopause symptoms is the imbalance of those hormones. And going through perimenopause, when estrogen goes totally haywire, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down, and progesterone just declines completely. And so all of those hormonal fluctuations that are very unpredictable during that time, if you are not detoxing hormones very well because the liver is burdened or your body's just not good at detoxing itself, then you're going to have worse symptoms. And so I work to support the adrenals, the liver, and overall inflammation. And obviously you can do that with diet, with hydration, with you know stress management, exercise adjustments. And those things can solve a lot of symptoms that people are dealing with. If we then still deal with some symptoms that are debilitating, I do and will look into HRT at that time. When you go that route, you need to have testing, you need to retest, and you need to use a support that is going to be the best possible for you. I think that, again, differs for everyone. 
I'm not a fan of any oral supports in terms of like oral estrogen that you will get from your OB. Um, it has to bypass the liver. It stresses out the liver. It causes a lot more accumulation and estrogen dominant situations. Um, so I'm not a fan of oral. <laughs> Sounds really bad. I'm not a fan of oral yeah. estrogen. Um, so <laughs> I, I typically recommend if the person can injections or trochies, um, they are a little bit more expensive, uh, but you can manage the dosing a lot better. And it's smaller doses more consistently, which is much more natural to your body. Pellets, a lot of people swear by. I think it can work for a certain population. I find it that tends to work okay for people that are very active. Um, for people that are not, I don't see the same. Only because pellets are very high doses. They should time release. But if your body is not detoxing well, if you are inflamed, if you are not active, because activity and exercise and those things essentially help you burn through hormones. And so otherwise, if you're not active, those hormones can build up. I've seen it multiple times with clients where they're getting pellets every six months. They're even getting blood work, but they show me the blood work. Their testosterone is through the roof. Their hemoglobin and hematocrit are through the roof, meaning they're basically at a much higher risk of clotting because that hormone has built up in their system because they're getting high doses every time they're getting pellets and it can't be adjusted. And so I'm, I've seen it be okay with some people. It's especially in the first year, people tend to feel really good on pellets because again, it hasn't built up, right? And so it depends on the type. Um, estrogen patches, I think sometimes can be okay, especially for things like night sweats, hot flashes, um, things like that. Th those tend to be okay because they're pretty low doses and you replace them weekly. Um, but, you know, in general, it comes down to what's your lifestyle, you know, like how is your body? Because if your body is super inflamed, adding hormones on top of it is going to cause a watery mess. It's going to cause more inflammation. It's going to cause probably weight gain to an extent, and it's not going to get you the results that you want. So it's a mixed bag. Again, I'm sure there, I wish everyone, I could give a black and white answer, but it is not black and white at all. Um, I think I the best coaches always say it depends. Um or at least most of the time. <laughs> so no, I, I love it. And I love that you just said lifestyle and nutrition and that it has to come first. Uh, that is definitely new to me with the pellets. So thank you for, for teaching me that as well. And in regards to the oral estrogen as well, did you say it bypasses the liver? Yeah. No. So it, it doesn't bypass the liver. Oh, so it, it has to go through digestion mm -hmm. and the liver processing pellets, um, trochies, Uh, which are dissolvable, kind of like oral transmission. And then injections all bypass the liver because they get directly into your bloodstream. So that's why those are better options because otherwise it stresses out the liver. It's it's like a medication. It's like a birth control, basically. Um, and that form of estradiol is synthetic. So whereas pellets, you know, injections, trochies are bioidentical. So it's very different. Um, it doesn't act the same within the body. So I'm very, not saying that, you know, Yeah. Pellets are the worst thing in the world. But if I were to choose for someone, I typically would choose injections or trochies for someone. Okay. Super, super interesting. Um, speaking of the liver as well, what is your recommendation or take uh, on alcohol consumption for people going through perimenopause or menopause? I hate, I actually hate asking this question because I always feel like we're kind of like the boogeyman when, when I put this out there. Um, but I just, yeah, I would, I would love to hear you speak about what that does to your liver as well, or how it affects your liver and, and the whole process. 
Yeah. Um, I'm going to use the same quote. What used to work doesn't work anymore. Um, when you are in menopause, you cannot handle things like you used to. And there's a number of reasons for that. Um, one hormones for sure. Uh, so estrogen and our net, like premenopausal estrogen is really helpful in healthy amounts. It's, it helps us with metabolic function. It helps us be more insulin sensitive. It helps with bone health and muscle development. Like it's great. When you lose estrogen and progesterone, I, I always talk about hormones are about the relative relationship between them. They're not necessarily about absolute amounts. And so when you lose estrogen and progesterone in menopause, testosterone goes down, but it doesn't go down as much. And so testosterone becomes kind of your dominant hormone. And again, that relative relationship, right? And so when testosterone and androgens are the dominant hormone, they start to have a negative impact on blood sugar regulation. And so a lot of times what we see is females in that age range start to develop insulin resistance to an extent. Um, I mean, it might not be outright diabetes, but I have a feeling that the majority of females that aren't paying attention to it and doing something about it have slight insulin resistance, which is why you didn't change your diet, but now you're gaining weight. And so here comes alcohol. Alcohol is one, let's be honest, it's a toxin to the body. I love alcohol. I really do. And I, my body hates it, but I, I like it. Um, and so when you drink it, it becomes the main energy source that your body is trying to use. And it needs, and it does that because it's trying to get out of the system. It's trying to process it and get it out of the system. So anything else in your system at that time, your body is more likely to store. And so that's one piece that sucks, right? The other piece is obviously now it's having to put more stress on the liver. And the liver is kind of one of those things that as we age, it becomes more and more burdened. And so I, I'm a huge liver love person. Like you need to, it's a large influence of your metabolism. It controls about 15 to 20% of your metabolism. And so giving support to the liver tends to make people feel good, tends to improve metabolic function, inflammation, blood sugar control. And so when you're stressing that out more, you're going to get less optimal feelings in terms of metabolically body composition and you know just overall physically how you feel and so alcohol is one of those things where it's just you know you can do it occasionally um but most females are going to notice that how they used to be able to have like a glass of wine a few times a week during their 20s and 30s it's now impacting your sleep it's impacting your metabolic function and it's creating more blood sugar issues than you would have normally had so it's, it's kind of, you know, and you'll find some people in menopause that are menopause guiders that are like, it's a huge no-no. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, you got to figure out what works for you, you know? Um, in, in the end, we need to live a little as well. Yeah. So yes, but I, I definitely, that, that whole notion of like, uh, just a glass of wine with dinner. And it's, even if you count it into your calories, because I mean, some people, as you said, you might've tracked macros for years and it was totally fine. But especially that regularity of all every night with, or let it be four or five times one glass, I would actually rather someone has like three drinks once a month <laughs> than, than that kind of uh, yeah. regular consumption. Um, but yeah, I, I like that you're just emphasizing the importance of liver health in, in the whole picture as well. So when it comes to liver health, are, are, do you have certain foods that you really want your clients to eat on a daily basis, like sprouts or a certain yeah. things? Um, you know, so all those are great. I, I'm big on just like fiber. You mm -hmm. need real food fiber uh, because fiber is hugely important when it comes to not only inflammation, there's a lot of research that actually shows like the exact same diet in terms of calories and macronutrients, but higher fiber 
showed better weight control and better overall like cardiac health. Um, and so fiber is just extremely helpful for overall health. Uh, and it, it's unfortunate because like, we don't eat a lot of whole foods anymore. We're a very processed food, convenient food, you know, eat out type society. Um, and eating enough fiber is hard. Like I, I want 30 to 40 plus grams a day um, from most of my clients. And so fiber is hugely important because as you need to get things out of the body, specifically hormones and estrogen, because all hormones kind of waterfall down to estrogen as it is. So we get this big pool of estrogen that needs to detox because hormones get created, they get used, but then they need to get out of the body so that they don't build back up. You need fiber to help bind to those things to help them out of the body. And so fiber is number one. And yes, you can do cruciferous vegetables. They have higher amounts of sulfurophane, which is great for that estrogen detoxification. Um, you know, stinging nettle, uh, Dandelion root teas are great. Um, like you mentioned, uh, broccoli sprouts are awesome. Baby or uh, raw carrots are great for liver health, apple cider vinegar. Um, all of those things are awesome. Uh, and then I often, honestly, I have people, I love Metapure. I love Ultra Clear. I love medical food powders that are liver supports. Um, and I've kind of like replaced them as my protein powder. Uh, I take, you know, a scoop at least a few times a week. It's super nutrient dense. Um, I'll use sometimes high dose B vitamins for certain people. Uh, and then we just pay attention. You know, we pay attention to their symptoms. Like, do they have chronically itchy skin or hives or, you know, are they dealing with nausea on and off? Are they dealing with constipation? I find that constipation and um, floating stools and things like that often, believe it or not, are not as much gut as they are liver and gallbladder. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, at least in my, the clientele that I work with, which are tend to be very stressed out clients. Um, <laughs> like a lot of them don't maybe deal with a ton of bloating or, you know, digestive issues other than constipation. And I find that that's, we find that seems to back up into like the liver and the gallbladder being the issue, um, which tend to be more stressed when you're stressed. Uh, so, you know, there's just a lot of things that I look for, um, when it comes to liver burden, but with foods, yeah, hydration also huge. Um, and then, you know, supporting with extra supplementation if you need it. Awesome. I think it's cool that you highlighted fiber. Most people, when they think of or hear of hormones, um, or at least in the nutrition space is usually the association with healthy fats, you know, you need more healthy fats. Because of course, yes, we need a sufficient amount of healthy fats, um, especially for that hormone production and everything else, of course, that digestion, etc. too. But that's usually the first thing that you hear. And I think fiber is usually more associated with the topic of digestion or going to the bathroom regularly. So um, really cool that you're kind of um, yeah, not necessarily flip-flopping that, but highlighting that both are important. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Fats too. You know, you need those for the adrenals, you need the carbs for the thyroid. Um, and you don't want to be just like removing entire food groups for long periods of time. You know, we know the value of diet, diet diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, it's one of the, I think it's one of the keys to females thriving in their thirties, forties, and fifties is not eating the same foods every day and not eating the same diet all the time and keeping diversity, like spend eight weeks doing keto a year, you know, spend 12 weeks doing Mediterranean, do some fasting here and there, like do not keep it the same constantly um, because it's not good for the body. It's not good for your gut. Um, and it's not good overall for, you know, diversity within the microbiome. So. Um, now, kind of going back a little bit to the beginning, let's say we're not um, talking about that um, perimenopausal, menopausal client anymore and more the person that still does 
something like CrossFit or more like a performance-oriented um, perform person anyway. Um, and they're very adamant about wanting to continue with their training. Um, how do you support them the best? Because, I mean, in the end, we can only educate our clients as much as possible, but we need to also, like, kind of acknowledge, okay, well, that's their priority right now, and that's fine. So, yeah, what what would be some recommendations for someone like that? Yeah, um, I like to refer to uh, the triangle of awareness, and there's kind of three things that exist in that triangle. There is performance, there's body composition, and there's longevity and health. You cannot have all of those at the same time. You can't even have two of them at the same time in most scenarios. Some people can train to perform and body composition can look great. Awesome for those people. But what I see a lot of times, for example, you know, the female, that's the CrossFitter. I don't know about you. They tend to be a little puffy. They tend to, you know, have a little bit of extra body fat because their body is doing that to protect itself because of the high stress. The body composition is something that, you know, it comes with its cons too. You might not be able to hold that year long. You might not be, you have to go in and out of those phases. Um, and then longevity, you know, is something that you, if you're working on health and longevity, you might not have the shredded six pack apps because that sacrifices health on longevity usually for females. So first and foremost, you need to understand that you can't have everything, you know? And so if you do want to train to perform, if you do want to train for body composition, obviously two different goals, but we need to focus heavily on food. We need to make sure that we are eating enough calories if it's for performance. And if it's for body composition, we need to be phasing in and out of maybe cuts, surpluses, maintenance periods. Um, I am a huge proponent of being very aware and tracking your cycles, tracking your symptoms and being understanding of what is not normal. And that's the hardest part because what's common is not normal, right? And so a lot of people, we have funny memes about how awful our periods are, you know, and it just seems very normal. It's not normal. You should not be bedridden. You should not have to go through a super plus tampon in two hours. You should not have horrible cravings or cramps or bloating or massive weight gain the week prior to your cycle. That is not normal. And so understanding what is and is not normal is first and foremost, but two, tracking. Are you having consistent cycles? Do you have the same timeline every month or give or take a day or two? Do you have pretty uneventful periods? You know, yeah, it's there. Maybe you have a little bit of cramping, a little bit of bloating, a little bit of fatigue, but like in general, it's there and it's gone. You know, all of that is, is very helpful to know are things going south or not, basically. Like that your, your period is your monthly report card. It helps you understand your body. It helps you understand if things are going well or not. Um, and then I have a lot of people focus on uh, sleep, hydration, food, and that's kind of the big picture. Um, but tracking things is, is mm -hmm. huge. A lot of people, especially the type A, I, you know, I'm going to go train hard. I'm going to go perform. I want to look really good. We are also the types that ignore our symptoms for far too long until it's a desperation. And then you show up at my doorstep begging because you gained 10 pounds in the past month and you have to lose it or, and, and it, you don't want to get to that place, right? You don't want to get to the place where you haven't pooped all week. You haven't, you know, your stomach is so painful. You can only eat five foods. Like it's, it was going on far before that and you just ignored it. So mm -hmm. the biofeedback and the tracking of those things is, is huge. 
That's a really good point. Yeah, because as you you can't really change anything that you're not aware of. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of being aware of, I, I love the triangle of awareness. I think it's um, Jason Jason Phillips has Phillips mm -hmm. has kind of made it um, very popular. Brought it out there, especially in the CrossFit community. Um, but I think what's so difficult with that for a lot of people, and for me initially too, is when we see quote unquote athletes or people that look lean, we automatically automatically think they look healthy. Like, I don't know what it is in our brain that associates that with health right away, but we do. And as you said, I think it's so helpful to point out that particularly when it comes to being extra lean, um, you know, someone who steps on stage, they're probably at their unhealthiest uh, throughout their whole entire uh, training year or whatever. And most women will have lost their cycle. Most men feel like crap. They don't sleep very well and all the rest of it. And, and, and uh, of course, someone who performs at a really high level in swimming or any other sport as well, it comes like for your joints, that amount of training also is not healthy. So it's, it's difficult to make that disassociation. Um, but I think speaking about that triangle of awareness is really, really helpful. And as you mentioned too, though, um, if someone chooses performance as their highest priority or as, as their main priority, um, I, I think as coaches, the best thing we can do is encourage them to eat enough because most of the time when people feel overtrained or are overtrained, um, it's really more a matter of um, under fueling. And um, like, I mean, just hearing your numbers earlier with like 1600 calories while training six times per week and, and high intensity. I mean, you weren't doing like yoga five times per week or six times per week for half an hour. Uh, you know, that's, that, that is, you probably could have done with an extra thousand calories on top of that. So imagine like depriving your body for a longer amount of time of those extra thousand calories. Um, no wonder that at some point we're just feeling bloated or having all these issues so yeah Absolutely. thank you so much for painting this picture and just in general for all this super valuable information Liz Um, I just want to highlight once again everyone should really go and um, give you a follow on Instagram the hormone queen um, and also get her free 21 uh, day guide as well I think you can get that on the website also but I'll definitely link it in the show notes as well Um, is there anything you would like to uh, say to our listeners um, to kind of like finalize the hormone chat <laughs> yeah yeah I mean understand that hormones are your friend they are not they are not our enemy I know they can feel like it sometimes I know it can be like why do I have to be a female why do I have to deal with all of this far from the truth hormones are our vitality they can help us feel amazing and you deserve to feel amazing I always tell people you know living a life where you wake up with no energy where you don't feel like you know good in your skin you aren't confident is not a life that anyone should have to live. And there are answers, there are solutions, you might have to work for them, but there's always a way to be able to live and thrive in an optimal self. So thank you so much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> Honestly, um, my, my absolute and, pleasure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and hopefully it helps some people and gives some people, you know, some little tips and tidbits that they can take on and use. Awesome, thank you very much, Becca. Have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or share the episode on social. Very much appreciated. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nutrition Coaching and Life or head to our website, www.nutritioncoachingandlife.com, where we provide more valuable content. Have a wonderful day.
Now go out and work on your best self.